Welcome to another Kingdom Community Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Walking in glory. Wow. How many people know that the Bible is like a jigsaw puzzle? Now, in our minds, oftentimes we want everything to be in chronological order. We like to read it and go, oh, that's what happened next, that's what happened next, this is what happened next, and this is what happened, and that's the end of the story. Wow, so good, that was a great book. The Bible's not like that. The <laughs> um, Bible's all over the shop. And the amazing thing about the Bible is that you've got all these pockets of information and revelation and mysteries and all that sort of stuff that are found in little tucked away corners of the Bible. And if you just go and have a read, a lot of that stuff's just going to go straight over your head. You're going to go, what on earth is that all about? You're reading through stuff. And there's these little moments where um, where you're, you're halfway through reading about, say, the kingdom of Israel. And then a prophet has a vision. And somehow that vision is all about Jesus, who hasn't even been born yet. Or it might be about the beginning of the world and you're thinking, what is that there for? And most of the time we just let it go. But God's been talking to me about the jigsaw puzzle. Anyone ever tried to do a jigsaw puzzle without the big picture in front of you? You ever tried that? That's kind of hard, isn't it? Like, because you really don't know what you're doing. And you just, like, particularly those ones, like, thousand piece. Who's ever done a 5,000 piece puzzle any bigger than that? Anyone? Sheik, you're a weirdo, aren't you? Oh, you have? Have you ever... Like, you can't do it without the picture, though, can you? It's just incredible. A lot of the time, we're trying to read the Bible without the big picture. And the thing is, God's got the big picture. So when we come to the Bible, we need God to help us. (laughs) Because he's the only one that can actually guide us through it, yeah? And so, what what I've found is that as... As I'm trying to understand certain parts of the Bible, God takes me on this little, these little journeys. So the, the word glory popped up for me when I got saved. When I came to Jesus, there was this thing, and back in old churches of Christ days, and Baptists and that sort of thing all do the same sort of thing. You probably know about it, Sam. They have this thing called the Roman Road. Anyone ever heard of the Roman Road? It's just four scriptures taken out of the book of Romans that... If you memorise them, and so when you want to, when you're on the street, and maybe this time you're not going after healing, you want to actually lead someone to Jesus, but you you want to take them through some scriptures, so you have these scriptures, right? And this the very first scripture. So the Roman road is Romans three twenty three, Romans six twenty three, Romans five eight, and Romans ten nine, right? And it takes you through the walk of how how to get saved. But the very first thing that you've got to share with anybody who you want to lead to Jesus is the fact that everybody is a sinner. Right? No one's excluded. Right? You're not saying you're a sinner and I'm good. We're all sinners. And the Bible in Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I used to think, that's okay, fair enough. But what does that mean? <laughs> and what does the word glory mean? Right? What is what? What's that all about? Okay. And why am I? Why have I fallen short of the glory of God? What happened? And so God's been taking me on this journey because I believe He wants me to walk in glory that I've fallen short of. 
I'm not meant to have fallen short of this glory. I'm meant to be walking in it. Right? Now, if I'm going to walk in it, I've got to understand it, and I've got to understand why. Right? Now, in order to understand why, you've got to go back to the beginning. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you back to the beginning. And it's a little bit of a teaching message tonight, but I hope you're okay with that. Um, if you're not, tough. <laughs> uh, Genesis chapter 1, right? That's where it all started. And the fall short of the glory happened in the... Who's ever heard of the Garden of Eden? Yeah? And, all right? So God made Adam and Eve, put them in this amazing garden. They had everything they could do. You know, they were walking with God in the cool of the evening. It was amazing, right? This amazing experience. Could you imagine walking with God every day? But they messed it up, right? And the Bible says they fell short of the glory. So I want to take you back. And what I want to do, first of all, is just lay a foundation so they understand the situation that God created man and placed him into. Right? So, right at the very beginning, what's the very first verse in the Bible? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Full stop. Bang. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Second verse. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. Full stop. What? Hello, that doesn't sound right to me. Think about it. God created the heavens and the earth. Does God create stuff that's formless and void? No. So why the very second verse does it say it was formless and void? We're going to have a look at that for a moment. So we're going to go back to Hebrew. He wants to learn a little bit of Hebrew tonight. You know the thing about Hebrew, I love it. and, And Sheik's a Hebrew scholar. She can actually read the Hebrew Bible, which is quite incredible. Kind of blows my mind. Um, but there's this phrase that is used in the very second verse of the Bible where it says, the earth was formless and void, or without form and void. Is a Hebrew phrase, and it's kind of a bit of a rhyming where it says, tohu vabohu. It was tohu vabohu. Now, when you do a little bit of research and you understand what that means, in Hebrew vernacular, that's like when the mum comes to the son's bedroom, right, Logan? And she goes, this is tohu vabohu. Clean it up at once. It's messed up. Anyone ever had a messed up bedroom? Don't have a look in my bedroom. Right? My side of the bed is always messy. It's tohu vabohu. Right? It's not meant to be that way. It's meant to be better than that. Tohu means, you know, without form, it means messed up. It means um, a wasteland. Yeah? Bohu is um, void or empty. It's empty. There's nothing there. It just says that God created the heavens and the earth. Full stop. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the earth. Now, another Hebrew word um, is also found in verse 2 there. It says, where it says the earth was. The word was is a Hebrew word which is hayatah. And there are 111 times that that word is used throughout the Bible. And it means, in one or two instances in the Bible, they've translated as was. But in almost every other instance in the translation, it's either became, becomes, and it was so. It came to pass. So if you were to 
have a little bit of an elastic understanding, go back to Hebrew, this is what it probably meant. And we're going to read that verse as it probably should have been interpreted into English. Verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, full stop, and the earth became without form and void, tohu babohu, and darkness was upon the face of the earth. So it became, so it started out good and it became, right? How do we know that that is the case? Well, I want to, and this is where the jigsaw puzzle comes in, right? So you find a little piece, you ever found a piece of jigsaw puzzle, put it in and go, now I know what to do next, right? And you're trying to work something out. Has anyone ever thought to himself, what the heck is up with dinosaurs? Right? You ever thought to yourself, what on earth is that all about? Like, and you go into scripture and it's like, God created the heavens and the earth, it was formless and void, and then, where does it say dinosaurs? You know, he made the cattles and this and that and the other. Adam named them all. That was 6,000 years ago. I'm pretty sure there weren't no dinosaurs around 6,000 years ago. Right? What on earth is that all about? Did someone create these bones and stick them underground to trick everyone? <laughs> or did something else exist prior to 6,000 years ago upon the earth? And I want to suggest to you something. You don't have to believe me. But I'm going to suggest, and I'm going to use scripture to back it up, that there was something that took place, a cataclysmic event that took place prior to Adam being born, being created, Upon the earth. And God did something so incredible when he made mankind, us, that the glory that he crowned us with is the glory that we're meant to be walking in. And we'll have a look at that, yeah? So I want us to jump to a couple of scriptures. Jeremiah chapter 4. Now, Jeremiah was a prophet. And in the middle of... This is one of those jigsaw piece puzzle moments, right? In the middle of Jeremiah giving this incredible... Having this incredible... Um, prophecy over Israel, he goes into this vision, right? And this vision is totally random, like out of this world random. It makes no sense to anything that he was saying and it doesn't fit. But here it is. And I beheld the earth and indeed it was without form and void. Right? That's the very start of this vision. He's seeing something. He's a seer. And he's using exactly the same language, tohu vabohu, as... But the interesting thing is that he goes on and describes what he's seen, yeah? And the heavens, they had no light. How many people know that when God created light, he hadn't created the sun and the moon yet, Right? Genesis 1, and God said, let there be light. And everything was lit up. What was the light? It was his presence. God's presence returned to the earth. It was void of his presence. He said, let there be light. And light came. Wow. And then he made the sun, then he made the moon, and all that sort of stuff, right? But in this vision, there's no light. I beheld the mountains, and indeed they trembled. Wow. And all the hills moved back and forth. Ever wondered why in the middle of the outback you got all these rock formations and everything going everywhere? Right? And what's that about? That they're all like, they all look like they've been underwater for centuries. You ever seen that? You got jolly seashells in the middle of the outback. 
What's that all about? Did something happen to the earth that we don't know about that didn't happen in 40 days at the flood? Because there was no way that those rings on those big rocks out in the outback happened in 40 days. They happened over centuries. How did that happen? All right. I beheld and indeed there was no man. There was no man. There was no human beings existent on the earth in this vision. And all the birds, ha all the birds of the heavens had fled. Beheld, and behold, I, and indeed the fruit of the land, or the fruitful land, was a wilderness. So there was once a fruitful land, there were once birds. It doesn't say that there was men, but there was no man then. Right? And it says, which just blows my mind, and all the cities were broken down. Cities? What? What's that all about? By the fierce anger, for thus says the Lord. Sorry. And all the cities were broken down at the presence of the Lord by his fierce anger. And thus says the Lord, the whole land shall be desolate, yet I will not make a full end. I will not make a full end. This is an incredible vision because what he's seeing is something that is reminiscent of what it says in Genesis 1 verse 2. That the earth, the whole earth was formless and void. But it's describing seeds, uh, a land that was once plentiful, that is now desolate, and all that sort of stuff, right? Now, what happened? All right. How many people know that there's a, there was a guy named Lucifer? Who remembers that story about Lucifer? Yeah? Ezekiel chapter 28 talks about Lucifer. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the Garden of Eden, yeah? The Garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, topaz, diamond, all these amazing stones, jasper, onyx, beryl, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you, says God. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in all your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Iniquity, the sin, was found in you. By the obedience of your trading... That's interesting. By the, sorry, by the disobedience or by the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. It's talking about Lucifer, who was the highest archangel. So you had God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You had the three archangels, Lucifer, Gabriel, Michael, and then you had all the other angels. There was a hierarchy in heaven, and they had existed, I believe, for millennium, possibly even billions of years. We don't know. There's absolutely no idea how long that God had all the heavens and all that sort of stuff in place. We don't know. All we know is the little glimpses that we have from the Word of God of what could be. Now, The reason why I'm sharing all this is because I want to help you understand the situation that God created man and placed him into, right? So Satan came and was cast out of heaven, right? Now, Jesus said to 
um, his disciples, I saw Satan cast out of heaven like lightning. Yeah. In the book of Revelation, you have another one of those little jigsaw pieces which says in vision form where John is having a vision and he sees a dragon being cast out of heaven, which is Satan. And it says his tail swinged around and and caught a third of all the stars in heaven, which is symbolic of the angels. So a third of all the angels in heaven. See, there were three archangels, Lucifer, Gabriel and Michael. And when Lucifer fell, he took a third, all the angels that were under his jurisdiction because there was a hierarchy in heaven, right? So Satan was cast out of heaven. Where did he get cast to? The earth. Do you know that scientists, and you don't have to believe this, right? But scientists say they've all concluded one thing. There was dinosaurs, there was all this stuff. They believed that there was early man, you know, prehistoric man. All that sort of stuff was going on. There were cities, there were all sorts of things. Now the Bible says that there could have been, right? If you go by Jeremiah's vision, that all that stuff could have happened. But they conclude that it all ended with one cataclysmic event. They think a meteor hit the earth or something along those lines, which caused it to go in complete darkness. And then it all started again. What possibly could have fallen to the earth that would have caused such an incredible devastation? I'm just saying that it's possible. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying it's possible. So let's forget for a moment that we're scientists, (laughs) that we know anything, and we're just coming to it just, what does the Bible say? Well, what we do know is God created the heavens and the earth, full stop. Then, Hayata Tohu Vabohu, it became formless and void. That was it. It became formless and void. We know that. We also know that Satan was there already before Adam was created. Or at least he was a part of the picture. Because we know that when Satan lured Adam and later on Eve. So so God created Adam in the garden. He grew up. We don't know whether he was a baby. We don't know whether he was an adult man when he was created. All we know is that he spent time with God. He named all the animals. That must have taken a bit of time, right? All right, this one, well, let's call that an ant. <laughs> it's like, oops, sorry, little ant. <laughs> well, hello. Uh, we'll call you an ant eater. I'll stop it. <laughs> uh, we'll, <laughs> that's because you're eating. Stop it. I just named him. Stop eating him. <laughs> And so you've got Adam having a great time engaging with God in the cool of the evening. Everything's going great. And then God says, it's not good for man to be alone. Let's create a helper for him. And so woman was created. This perfect union was created. And they were in the garden. And they could do anything they liked except one thing. And we know the story that they actually did the one thing they weren't supposed to do, which none of us would ever do that, right? Um, Uh, might have to do some counselling later Um, but anyway we know that it's so easy to fall from glory Adam did and he was having all these incredible encounters with God on a daily basis and he fell from glory Yeah. but here's the thing that a lot of us don't know and uh, it kind of really hit me because I was trying to work out what's this glory about. Right? 
So the Lord took me and through some research and some reading some other people, um, took me to Psalm 8, verses 4 and 6, where it says, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you visit him? For you made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honour. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Now I'm going to read that again in a moment, but I want to tell you something. That was written by David, but it was it was scribed by an angel. Say, ah, oh, come on, Paul, you're pulling my leg. No, Hebrews tells us that it is. All right, Hebrews chapter 2. This is where I love the little jigsaw pieces, right? Hebrews chapter 2. It says, for he... He has not put the world to come, of which we speak, in subjection to angels. But one angel testifies in a certain place, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you take care of him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honour. You have set him... Okay, so... It was actually an angel who was watching what God was doing. Do you know that all of creation was watching what God was doing when man was created? It's like this triumphal thing. Remember that vision that I had early in the worship where I saw Jesus step off the throne and all the angels stood up and started applauding and shouting, going, whoa, this is amazing, this is Jesus, right? Can you imagine for a moment, possibly for millennium, billions of years even, Earth may have been in a state of tohu babohu, may have been formless and void. We don't know. We don't know the distance. But all we know is that at one point in time, God steps out of heaven and goes down there, and all the angels are going, What's he up to? Uh, what's going on? Right? And God goes down to earth and he starts creating stuff, he starts bringing it back, and they're going, Oh, something's happening. We haven't seen that for a while. Right? The light, God's presence, wraps the earth and suddenly the whole place is lit up. He says, and, and, and interesting in the creation story, it says, you know, God created this and created that, but it says that he called forth the seed that was already in the ground. Right? Go back and read it. Right? He called it forth that was, which was already there. So you put all those little pieces of jigsaw puzzle together and then it comes to this point and all the angels are watching, the devil's watching, everybody's watching, what on earth is he up to? And he fashions this man and he stands him up and he crowns him with glory and honour and places him in charge of everything. You're in charge of the whole world. You have dominion over everything. Now, what and who... Sorry, who receives a crown? Anyone know? Who receives crowns? Kings. Kings Kings receive crowns, yeah? Right? So, Adam received a crown, but it wasn't a crown made of gold or silver. You know that Lucifer was crowned with all these beautiful gems. His whole body was covered in, you know, he was incredible. Like he was, ooh, Satan. Before he became Satan, he was an incredible dude. But here, Adam, mankind, is crowned with something greater than all of those gemstones and everything is crowned with the glory of God. And do you know that, and we're going to have a little Hebrew lesson again, that in Psalm 8, 4 to 6, 
where it says, you have been made a little lower than the angels, it's actually not the word angels. It's the word Elohim. Elohim is God. It's plural for God. Yes, Elohim. Really? Right? So it says, you have been made a little lower than Elohim. You've been made a little lower than God. So the angels are going, what on earth is going on? We've got God, we've got the archangels, and we've got the angels. And this man comes in, he gets slotted in above the angels. What on earth is going on? They're going, what is man that you are mindful of him? That you would meet with him? No angel had that opportunity to have this engagement with God. It says in the creation story that God said, let us make man in our own image. Wow. The angels weren't made in God's image. Nothing had been made in God's image. No one had been made in such a way that they could actually carry and walk in and, and receive a crown of the glory of the living God. It's impossible. It didn't happen. Until now. And suddenly mankind is made in the image of God, crowned with glory and honour, given dominion and power and authority upon the earth. And that we are born and created to be kings upon the earth. Right? Jesus knew that. That's why all the stuff he could do upon the earth. He could walk on water. Why? Because he's the king of the whole earth. And he can take control over matter. He's a king. He knows his identity and he's walking out. Do you know that he was doing that stuff before he was glorified after the resurrection? So he was walking it out, out of his identity from the very beginning because he was a man, yeah? Adam sinned and so he fell. So the crown of glory was taken off. Jesus was the only person since Adam and from that time was ever born without sin because he was born not of a man's seed. Eh? He was born of a God's seed. That's why it was a virgin birth. Because he had to be born like Adam was born without sin so that he could deal with sin. Right? So Jesus, the second Adam, got to deal with sin because he had never sinned. And he got to walk in that glory because... He knew who he was. But the Bible says that he emptied himself of all his deity. He, he stopped being God and became a man. But because he was a man who had not sinned, he had the crown of glory upon his head. And he was able to walk in that authority upon the earth. And so what he did was demonstrate to us that when we are crowned with glory, which is what happened after the resurrection, when you give your life to Christ, what happens? You are born again, you become like the new Adam, and you are crowned with glory. You think, how's that possible, Paul? Well, let's find out what the Bible says, because the Bible's the boss, right? Well, Jesus is the boss, and, and, uh, and he authored the Bible, so there you go. All right, so... He crowned them with glory and honour. Now, Revelation 1, 5 and 6. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his blood and has made us kings and priests to God and 
to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Wow. He made us kings. What did he crown us with? Gold? No. Gold gets put on the footpaths in heaven. What did he crown us with? That which we were meant to be crowned with at the beginning of time. That which we were crowned with, but we fell short of the glory of God. We were crowned with glory and we get a chance to walk in that glory. Wow. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The glory. See, do you know that as you become a Christian, as you start following God, he places a crown of glory upon your head, but we're still living in a fallen world and we are a work in progress. We are becoming like Jesus because we're still living in this sin-corrupted world and we are prone to falling. How many people know that we're prone to falling? Right? We know that, right? That's just the truth. We know, we know that, and so we have this ongoing process of learning who we are and learning how to walk out of who we are so that eventually we become more like Him and we are able to carry that crown well. Huh? And all that that means. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all, with unveiled faces... Behold, see, do you know what happens? When, when, when was the last time you went to a wedding recently? Anyone been to a wedding recently? You remember when they often pull the veil off the bride's face and the bride gets to see the groom, right? I don't know where that started, but here in this story, it says we all with unveiled faces. It's like everything was veiled. We couldn't see clearly. And Jesus comes along because he's the, the groom, the church, we are the bride. So, sorry guys, but you're, you're a bride. Just get over it. It's okay. He pulls back the veil so that you can see him. You can see him. And it says, it's like looking in a mirror. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of God. So we, Jesus comes and says, come on. You're my bride. In other words, you're mine. When we give our life to Jesus, it's like he says, come on, you're mine. He lifts the veil off and then we look at him. But it says here that it's like looking in a mirror. We see the glory of God. What's he saying? He's saying that that's who we're becoming. We're becoming this image of Christ. We're becoming like him. So we get to see him in all his glory. But what we're doing is we're looking in a mirror. We are being transformed, it says, into the same image from, it says, from glory to glory. The first glory was the glory that was on Adam. Fell from glory. Fell short of the glory. There was a dark time in the history of mankind from that moment until Jesus. And in the midst of all that, God... See, now, I just want to show you something, right? God in all his glory could not go down and give Adam a big hug and say, it's okay, son. Because suddenly Adam hasn't got the crown of glory on and he's full of sin. If God had given him a big hug and said, it's okay, son, 
we'll sort this out, he would have been consumed by the glory of God because God's glory is like a consuming fire. It's so powerful. Do you know, there are stories. There's one story of the Ark of the Covenant which carried the glory of God, which was being carried through a creek bed by a cart and donkey, and it began to fall over. And as it began to fall over, one of the guys on the cart reached over and tried to push it up. All he was trying to do was the good thing, right? Push the cart. But because he touched the glory with his human hand, He died instantly. The glory of God is in a consuming fire. And God could not come down and give you a big hug and say, there, there, back then. What he had to do was say, okay, you've sinned, Adam, I'm sorry, but you're out of the garden for a start. You're on your own. I'm going to walk you through this, but there's a whole bunch of rules of engagement that we have to go through in order to survive this together. Right? Sacrifice. and Your sins have to be paid for. And then... Eventually, Jesus comes and deals with it. Do you know that all that was kept secret from the devil? The devil had no clue. This is why there's mysteries in the Bible. This is why the Bible is like a jigsaw puzzle. This is why all these pieces of the Bible don't make a whole bunch of sense until the Holy Spirit starts to put them all together. Because they're mysteries. And the mysteries are gradually being revealed. All right. I want to talk to you just for a moment about these mysteries and then we'll go back to mankind's ordination. 1 Corinthians 2, 7 and 8. But we speak of wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. It was hidden before the beginning of time for our glory. It was hidden which none of the rulers of this age, the princes of the age, and you know, even just by reading the book of Daniel, that the prince of the power of the air of, of, over Syria came to fight the archangel. Another story. Demons that are hierarchy demons, right? Which none of the rulers of the this age knew for had they known they would not have crucified they would not have crucified Jesus the Lord of glory if they had known but it was hidden they didn't know they didn't know if they crucified Jesus he would have that sacrifice would have unleashed something which would would then recreate a scenario where man could be receiving the glory again it was hidden from them the things which God had prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. And a backup scripture for that one is Colossians 1, 26 and 27. Even the mystery, which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints, to them God willed to make them known. What are the riches of the glory of this mystery? among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. What glory? The glory that you are crowned with, that you are meant to be walking in. You're meant to be operating out of glory that is crowned upon you as a king upon the earth. All authority, Jesus said, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, therefore, go. In that authority. 
and make disciples of all nations. Then he said, but wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you in power. Don't do anything until that happens. Do you know that there was this crowning moment that took place? And so we, as we come into Christ, as we receive Christ in our life, and as we dovetail into him, you know, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5.8, but the wages of sin is death. Yeah? Romans 10. Uh, 5, 8, 3, 23, 6, 23, 5, 8. Oh, I've forgotten it now, the Roman road. Should have remembered that one. Um, but it talks about if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ and you confess it with your mouth that he was raised from the dead, you shall be saved. Ah, Romans 5, 8. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what it was. Such a long time since I... Went through the Roman road. But here's the thing, right? Christ died for us. We put our trust in him. And what happens? We get crowned with glory. We get drawn into a place where we become and are becoming like Jesus. Do you know that when you give your life to Christ, your spirit is born again? Renewed. Immediately. Immediately renewed. Immediately you are in Christ seated at the right hand of Christ in the heavens. But it's our flesh life that is a work in progress. It is our mind, our will and our emotions that we battle with every single day. How many people know it's a battle? I mean, it's just a battle with the physical, right? We have pain in our bodies. And Jesus said, I've come to heal that stuff. I've come to heal you. I've come to set you free. I've come to kick out the devils that are harassing you. I've come with authority to bring you into a place of peace. And he says, the peace that you carry, take it with you wherever you go. If you go knocking on somebody's door, go in there. Bring the peace of God with you. If they don't want it, don't worry about it. Wipe your feet, go to the next house. Take the peace of God with you. The peace of God, peace is shalom. Sheikh taught about that a few weeks ago. It means to destroy chaos. Peace means to destroy chaos. How many people know that when you've got chaos in your life, it's horrible? And who's the author of chaos? The devil, right? We are born again to be kings upon the earth, to walk in the glory of God. What does that mean? It means that everything that Jesus did upon the earth, we are called to do upon the earth. Jesus actually said it, didn't he? He said, if you believe in me, you'll do what I have been doing and even greater things you shall do. Yeah? Why? How is that even possible? Because we're becoming our true identity, slowly but surely. Yeah, we fail. I've failed. Logan knows I've failed. My goodness me, he's my son and he knows me better than pretty much anybody in this room, except maybe Sheck now because I've lived with her in this last season. But the thing is, we all fail. We all mess up. We all have seasons in our life. You know, and, and some people say, oh, you know, this person would never turn their back on God if that encounter with God was true. Uh, get over it. Like, seriously, Adam was walking with God in the garden. You can't get a better encounter with God than that. And he still messed up, right? Why did he mess up? Because the enemy come in and had a little word in his ear and he believed the enemy. How many times do we believe the enemy in our life? And so we're not walking in the glory 
that we're called to walk in because we've got this battle going on. Some of us don't even know it. We don't believe it. We've been taught that it's not real. But it's like a jigsaw puzzle. And we've got to ask the Holy Spirit to show us. And if the Spirit of God is not teaching us, and all we're doing is listening to man, we will struggle. So I want to give you a little bit of an encouragement, maybe a challenge to some of you to go away um, and do some research of your own. I want want to encourage you to research the glory of God. Spend some time, maybe for those of you who have a quiet time with God, maybe do a Google search. We've got that kind of stuff these days, don't we? Carry on now. We can use we can use the Google <laughs> or some other search engine. You know, not promoting anything particular. Um, just typing glory and 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 or glory scriptures maybe because you might get a whole bunch of weird stuff. Yeah, I know you've got the hardback. That's good. Good on your Barbie. We love you, honey Barbie. Oh, I love the I love the hardback. I've got a hardback. Is that yours? Oh, see, she's cheating. She picked up yours and said, "Look at this." I love the hardback. But you see, the thing is. What you need is you need the Google search, and then you write them all down, then you go to the hardback. Yeah, yeah, that's what you do. Yeah, yeah. All right, now we know. And, and it's not cheating. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, so then you're going to go and, and research the glory of God. And I, I believe that just read it. Just read the scriptures, all the scriptures about the glory of God, and ask the Lord as you're doing it, what's the glory all about, God? You know, I heard a story, and I'll finish with this. Is a, this is a story about um, what used to happen back in the 70s, right? So there was this guy preaching in America, and, uh, and he had done just that. He had researched the glory, and he'd written all the scriptures down. And what he did was every now and then, um, his name was Kenneth Hagin. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of him. Um, he'd be sitting up on stage, because back in the day, he had a fairly big church, and He'd sit up on the stage during the worship and he'd be just like, he'd have his sermon ready to go. But every now and then the Holy Spirit would say, preach on the glory. Right? And he'd like grab his Bible and he had the notes on the glory just tucked away in his Bible and he'd pull them out. And then he'd open them up and he'd go up there and he wouldn't preach, he'd just read the scripture one after the other, after the other, after the other. And he wouldn't even comment. He'd just get up there and start reading the scriptures on the glory. One after that, and the glory of God filled the temple. And the glory of God was like a cloud during the day. And the glory of God came. And the glory of God was on Stephen when he was being stoned as he looked up to heaven and shone down upon him. And the glory of God. And I kid you not, this is first-hand, not my first-hand, but first-hand encounters who have told that in every single time he did that, as the Lord instructed him to do it, from the back corner, at some point, no one knew when, but at some point during the meeting, a cloud would just roll in over the people. And everybody who was in the meeting would come under the presence of God and just fall out in the presence of God and just be... Who's ever been in such an incredible glory that they've fallen out in the presence of God? I have. It's just like incredible, right? And he, what he would do, because he would see it coming, and he'd just take a step back and just let it roll in. He said, there was one time where his son-in-law, um, who was one of the worship leaders, didn't see it coming. And 
<laughs> it's just a funny story. And, and, and as it came, it, it, it caught him and he fell over in the lap of a really big lady. <laughs> he was just sitting there and he's like a fish going up there. It's weird stuff. And you sort of think, how's that? How's that, God? Well, unless you've ever experienced it, you'll never kind of know. Um, God, when the presence of God comes, it's just incredible. Sometimes there's a lot of weird stuff and sometimes there's flesh involved and you've got to be careful. But all I can encourage you to do is go back to the Word of God. Search out the glory of God. And ask God, what am I meant to be walking in? Friends, some of us are so caught in our circumstances that we've lost sight of the victory that God has actually created for us. And it's not, it's not rocket science, but it is a bit of a mystery. What, what God's asking us to do is seek him. You know, the Bible says, seek me and you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. Proverbs 25, is it 25? 25 verse 2. I'll finish with this one. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it is the glory of kings to search it out. Ha-ha. I'm going to say it again. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. It is the glory of kings to search it out. We are kings. And we have this glory that he wants us to walk in, but he wants us to search out the truth. It's there. A lot of people say, oh, but you can't take scripture out of context. There are... And that's absolutely true. You've got to understand what was being said and who was saying and what was for the times and that sort of thing. But God has hidden things. And when you find a scripture that just doesn't make sense, it just doesn't seem to fit right there. Think about it a little bit more. Say, what's that all about? What was that for? Like that Jeremiah passage. What? Why? What's that there for? You know, all the prophecies about Jesus were there, but they were hidden in other things. And you've just got to search them out. There's so many prophecies that Jesus would come, where he would come, how he would come, that he would be of virgin birth, that he would be born in Bethlehem, and all those things. They all came to pass. But almost every single one of them, none of them said his name, for a start. They just alluded to something that was coming. And it was like a jigsaw puzzle. And the Hebrew mind is able to accommodate lots of pieces all over the place and just go, oh, that's where that fits over here. That's where that fits over there. And I just want to encourage you that if you don't understand what you're reading in the Bible, it doesn't mean it's not understandable. If you don't understand something that's going on in church, it's not always God. But it doesn't mean it's not God. If you don't understand what some of the scientists are saying, it doesn't mean they're always wrong just because it doesn't fit what we think or know. Let's just take a step back and go, okay, God, what do you want to teach me today? And so I want to encourage you as we wrap this up just to believe that you are created for more than what perhaps you know that you are walking in right now. 
And uh, God has got so much more for us, yeah? Amen? Come on. All right, I want to pray. Um, and uh, I just want to give you an opportunity. Um, if, if you feel that you just need to go a little deeper with God, let's just take a moment as we conclude this meeting and ask God to draw us into whatever he has for us, yeah? So Father God, I just want to honour you right now. I thank you for taking me on a journey. I thank you for that we we're all on this incredible journey. I just ask God that you would help each person who has a deep desire to know you more. Lord, that as we recognise that you're, you're working in our life, you, we sing about it, even when we don't know it, you're working. We just ask, Lord God, that you'll take us closer to you, that you'll draw us into that place where we just know. We know what you're trying to say. We know what, what scripture says. We know what you're trying to reveal to us. And we know who we are. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. We are kings and priests forever. Lord, what does that look like? How can we walk that out in our life? And how can we walk in that kind of authority upon the earth so that when we encounter people who need healing or who need encounter with you, who need to know you more, Lord, that we just walk in such a sense of your presence. And Lord, I, I pray that the glory of God will be so manifest on each one of us as we begin to know you more, as we become more like Jesus, that we'll be like Peter, who, as he was walking along the street, just his shadow as a fell on people would, would cause them to be healed. I believe that was your glory, Lord. It wasn't Peter's glory, but it was the glory that you'd crowned him with, that he was walking in. He was walking in such an incredible understanding of who he was in you, because he'd spent time with you. Lord, I pray that each one of us would spend time with you and would walk in that place too, and get to know you more. Grow us to where we can be in you, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. This has been another Kingdom Community Church podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to www.kingdomcc.com.au. God bless.